Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Matthew is already on the Zoom call. How are you, Matthew? David. Oh, I, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, B. Arthur, I was asking to speak to Matthew. Could you put Matthew uh, on the line? Sorry, it's me, Brenda Vaccaro. <laughs> Bless. Uh, I've got the cold that's going to kill me. So my usual lovely dulcet tones will not be heard on this episode. I'm sorry, my voice. Well, uh, I uh, my voice, thankfully, has come back. I've been sick the last two days, too. And we can say we didn't catch it from each other because we have literally not been in each other's presence in three years. But it's like, it's that time of year. We're running ourselves fucking ragged. Every single stage. Okay, guys, more this is a this is a secret peek behind the curtain. Okay. Here in Orlando, in theme park land, every single venue is understaffed. Every single venue. So people get sick and they can't call out. They can't get other actors to cover their shifts because actors are busy doing other stuff and scrambling. So more people than normal come to work with a little cold that they think is going to be fine, and then they give it to other people. So, if you're wondering, what are Matthew and I doing on New Year's Eve? We are recording this on December the 31st, and on New Year's Eve, we are going to be blowing our nose and hawking up some nice yellowish-green loogies. Uh, I didn't cough this much when I had COVID. Oof. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't cough at all when I had COVID. My, my COVID was, was all fever and headache, and this is a, you know upper respiratory congestion. You can hear it in my voice uh, a little bit, I think. And uh, anyway, uh, as opposed to the old men that we are complaining about our health problems, let us journey back to when we were young men, much, much younger men. On February 27th of 1988, when we watched season nine, episode 19 of The Facts of Life, entitled, Till Marriage Do Us Part. Joe's getting married. And it's so weird. It it just is so weird. Like, as I have watched as an adult, this season happen, I just, they really missed some opportunities, I feel like. And I mean, you know, I love the show. I love Joe. I love Blair. But I just, this this episode... I think it's the official jump the shark. I I just had so many, I just have so many issues with this episode that I just wish it had been done differently. I didn't feel like we knew enough about this character to marry Joe off to him. And it all happened in one episode. This could have been a two-parter. This could have been, I just, mm, eh. All right, let's jump in. Give me some, <laughs> give me some nuts and bolts while I swig this Nyquil. <laughs> Happy to oblige, my darling, my my sick sick darling. 
The episode was written by Ross Brown. This is his seventh of seven episodes. His last one, we just discussed him uh, because three weeks before this, he wrote the first time, Natalie losing her virginity episode. And uh, yeah, he'd go on to be an executive producer for 138 episodes of Step by Step between 92 and 98. And uh, that is 138 out of the 160 total episodes of Step by Step. So uh, that was his big thing that he went on to do after this. And the episode was directed by John Boab. Nothing more need be said about him. So how's about some facts facts before we go into the microscopic dissection? Yes, please. Uh, really and truly, there's just one fact fact, but it's a lot of information. A ton of returning guest stars. I mean, when a big event happens, when it's a big uh, family event, of course, you have to bring the people back. And one thing I was not, um, and to addend what you were saying, Matthew, I wasn't as mad at this episode as I had thought I would be. I There are issues with it, but in general, I love the fact that, number one, they did bring back Joe's parents. Alex Rocco as Charlie Polnicek and Claire Malice as Rose Polnicek. How many times do you have an episode where it's like, I'm getting married. Oh, gee, my parents can't be here for my wedding because, you know, they they have a reservation over at the Outback Steakhouse. So, you know, Jack, will you give me away at the wedding? And Chrissy, will you be my maid of honor? The way they conveniently make families just disappear when those are the few times in real life you actually have to see your family. And regarding Joe's parents, this is their final appearance for both of them. Claire Malice has made six appearances and Alex Rocco has made 11. So this is it. We also have returning Robert Romanus as Snake. This is his final appearance of four. Paul Provenza as Casey. This is his final appearance of five. Why? Why? Uh, uh. That they got it's rid just, of him. You you had to give us this beautiful wedding. Joe's getting married and you had to kick us in the nuts at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. I, I expected I would have hated that. And I don't love the way they did it. But to me, I kind of, that's that's a little bit forward thinking. That's something that I see as more modern as opposed to an 80s sitcom where you just expect, oh, it's Joe's wedding and she gets married. But to have there be a breakup happen simultaneously, I I have to say, I, I think I, I've never word, used this word before. I think I respect the writing for that. All right. We also have Scott Bryce returning as Rick Bonner. This is his third appearance of four. Third appearance as guy that Joe is going to marry before the end of these 23 minutes. Wow. They work double time. They work overtime. And he works really hard at making us like this character and lock into his kind of nutty, loose cannon, crazy guy status among them. And, and God bless Nancy McKeon, that she is such a good actress that she can play that she is enamored and intrigued by it when others might find it annoying. And Todd Hallowell is back as Jeff. This is his eighth appearance of nine. So he will be in next week's show. But technically, next week's show was actually filmed before this. So this is the last time Todd Hallowell was on the set. But uh, anyway, 
as of this viewing and as of watching them in broadcast order, we still have one more appearance of both Rick and Jeff as Joe's husband slash Tootie's fiance. And lastly, Father Donovan, who marries Joe and Rick. Did you recognize him? Yes. Did you remember that he had been on the show before? Did you recognize him from this or from other stuff? I recognized him from other stuff. And then when I looked him up, I realized he had been on the show before. And he has been on the show before as a priest in season six, episode 18, with a little help from my friends, which broadcast in January of 85. So this is three years later that they're like, we need a priest. And somebody said, who's that guy that played that priest where uh, Edna had all of those fucking fruit cakes or was it cheesecakes? I think it was all the fruit cakes that Edna had made for the Christmas season and they weren't selling because they forgot to advertise them or whatever. But, oh, I'm just going through my notes and I realized I, I was trying to work from memory and I didn't have to. Uh, what happened was his station wagon came open and all of the desserts for the church bazaar fell out. So he wondered if there was anything that he could buy. And it was cheesecakes. It was not fruitcakes. Mm. And we get a heavenward thank you from Mrs. Garrett on his appearance to save the day in that episode. I mean, I can't blame them for casting him as the priest because if you look at his imdb page he that is a lot of what he did either that or a judge yes and um but i recognize it couldn't get it out of my brain so i looked up on yeah imdb he was um robert dunder from um the on the office in an episode where they had um the creator of dunder mifflin yes come in to prove a point and that's what I remembered him from. So that's what I, yeah, that was driving me crazy. <laughs> he has a very impressive career that he was on 486 episodes of General Hospital as Edward Quartermain from 1993 up through his death in 2012. And uh, he has 105 credits in a 29 year career. All right. Are we ready to get going with this? Let's do it. Yes. And we're going to do our deep dive analysis with this. We might mention a costume or two along the way. But dear listeners, after we're done with this, we are going to cut away to an earlier interview that Matthew and I did with costume designer Diana Eden talking specifically about this episode. And uh, we think you're going to enjoy that. So let's let's get to it. A lot happens in this episode, Matthew. Holy fuck. A lot happens, and yet I took very few notes because I just was like, mm. I mean, the episode, my first note is, this episode is a lot. There are a lot of scenes. If you had asked me, is it a two-parter, I would have been like, is it? I'm not sure. There are so many scenes, and uh, thank God all the guest stars are people we've met before, and they could just drop them into the show without having to re-explain or reintroduce who they are. But wow, we're, we're going to get to this. The girls are sitting around the table playing Monopoly. I mean, really? At least it wasn't Schmonopoly. <laughs> or, I mean, it was actually Monopoly. And she does mention Park Place or something like that yeah. or Boardwalk. <laughs> but she doesn't have a scar on her forehead, does she? 
No, Blair is looking remarkably exactly like she does in every other episode, in spite of the fact that she was permanently scarred and disfigured last week. Go figure. Yeah. Wow. Oh, 80s sitcoms. And uh, we do ask Diana about that, and we won't make you wait. Her, her response is kind of like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> she 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 didn't remember there being any talk of so how are we going to handle lisa now that she has to be permanently disfigured for the rest of the series that that talk to our great not surprise that talk never happened uh <laughs> so the doorbell rings and it's rick and he comes in with a female model and uh, uh, uh an easel and a playing board and he is in full game show mode playing the role of a game show host because you know rick that rick is so wacky isn't he matthew so wacky and yeah. so i mean just ugh. it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and the fact that the girls are thankfully oh <laughs> we're so amused by this this isn't annoying at all and the game show is guess the sentence and it's a four word sentence and it's all leading up to will you marry me and joe basically says maybe only other thing of note in this scene is the actress playing the female model the, the typical stupid pretty girl with the vacant dead eyes her name is twyla littleton and the role is wanda this is her only appearance on the facts of life she only has 21 credits in a very short nine-year career between 80 and 89. She doesn't have a Wikipedia page, only an IMD page. She is on Twitter. She really was pointless in this scene, though. Like, I mean... Pointless. There was really no reason for her to be there. Yeah. And then at the end, she says, See my new film, Vixens from Venus. And it gets a laugh. Vixen was not a word that was used a lot outside of the world of, you know, porn and all that. And this is 80, 88. Isn't this the same year Outrageous Fortune came out? I think it was 88 or 89. Same year. And at one point, Bette Midler says, you saw Ninja Vixens? So we get the sense that it's a really low-grade, low-level, possibly softcore porn. Uh, but yeah, like, I'm like, all right, the word vixen, apparently the word vixen was the funny word of the decade that they used a lot in comedy. But anyhow, Rick is excited that Joe's answer is maybe the girls are thrilled because they think that it's like, whoa, you know, big deal, big life change about to happen. Next scene is the next day. Casey comes by. Rick also shows up and Rick says to Casey, and this is true. Hey, Casey, since I really actually have no other friends, would you be my best man? Well, thank you. Getting right to the point. And we did kind of allude to that when we first met Rick, didn't we? Well, he was playing pin the tail on the donkey for his 30th birthday with a bunch of people he just met. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we'll get into this with the with the bachelor and the bachelorette party. It all has to happen in this house and in this cast. Everything. So, everything happens like, in the living room. Never forget that, Matthew. So Blair comes down to go out on her date with Casey. This is why Casey is here. Blair is gorgeous. Just gorgeous. This Just black stunning. velvet, kind of the 1940s silhouette. We got the shoulder pads, but it's form-fitting. 
The skirt comes down below the knee. It's got this little keyhole cutout showing cleavage. That's something we never see Blair wearing stuff like this. It's just ugh, dark pantyhose and heels. She looks like a million fucking yeah. dollars. So then there's this conversation that happens in the next scene after she and Casey come home from their date. Uh, Natalie and Beverly Ann are kind of sitting around and we have a moment where it's clear Casey and Blair need to have a talk. And Natalie says, so Beverly Ann, you want to come upstairs and, you know, we got to go do the thing. Oh, my God. Cut from syndication. Thank God, because it's 15 minutes of Beverly Ann not taking the hint. But being an idiot. You have so much to do in this fucking episode that should not have taken a minute and a half of your time. And then she's like walking away like she wants to watch. Like, Beverly, you're the adult here, Beverly Ann. Yes. You should Ooh. be the one telling the kids, okay, we need to get out of here and let them be alone. You're the adult. And it just took for forever to get out of that room. <laughs> and, and and her and being an idiot not just being i mean it's it's beyond how dotty and clueless we have found beverly ann to be sometimes it's just like ugh. but anyway when they clear out we have casey and blair now i do have to say i did laugh did you laugh when blair said i really enjoyed the movie the the movie girl you are dressed like you are ready to go to the fucking governor's ball. Wow. Okay. That's that's how you dress to go to a movie? Um, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. That, I thought that was a little funny little extra thing. But anyway. Uh, so Casey has been uncomfortable all night. And we realize that it's the whole Joe and Rick thing is affecting him. And so he says, well, I've been thinking about weddings and commitments and us. And so just at the moment... As Blair makes him get down on one knee, he says, why don't we live together? And she instantaneously says, oh, my gosh, marriage, Casey, this is such a big step. And I don't know what the fuck. Hmm? And we realize that Casey does not believe in marriage and Blair very much does. So that's why he only wants to live together. And he says, well, maybe we can talk some more and find some middle ground. And Blair says, what is the middle ground between marriage and living together? So it kind of ends on a little bit of a somber note here. This was not 100 years ago. Yes, it was close to 50. But the fact that the idea of marriage meant marriage and kids right away. Yep. That's what that's what this whole episode kept pounding into my brain was that you get married, you have kids. Yep. These people are 21 and 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's... Just get married. If you want to get married, you ain't got to have kids. Well, right at now. least at least talk about whether you both want them or don't want them. That's that is a conversation I think you do need to have before you get married. But why is this conversation happening at 21? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. The conversation could be, do you imagine getting married soon? How do you think we are doing? What are your life goals, darling? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's everything has to be reduced. It's all reductive. So She's we have to get She's not even out of college yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she is a busy law student. 
We know law school demands a lot of your time, including time to play Monopoly with your girlfriends that you live with at the beginning of the mm. episode. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So then don't think that that sad moment, that moment of question mark over Casey and Blair is going to eat up any of the happiness and the wackiness going on because then we go up to the bedroom and Rick has shown up at Joe's bedroom window with a sock puppet. Oh, that wacky Rick. Uh, at least it looks homemade. And I do have to say that the card, the placard, that the game show thing that he brought in, it did look homemade. You know, that trope of TV where someone is, oh, I have to go make something. And it comes yeah. out looking like it just came out of the prop shop from Metro Goldwyn Mayer. Yeah. So Rick and Joe have further conversations. You are correct. There's more talk about kids. And he mentions their one kid and, and it's a boy. We know that they have a girl. But uh, anyway, Joe finally says yes. And I do have to say, in the shots, the, the reverse shots, the reaction shots of her sitting in the window, the way they have her lit, the way they have her framed, her hair, which sometimes looks a little overgrown, a little frizzy, the, she, I don't think, has ever looked prettier than she does in this scene, in this moment, her smiling and Joe playing the love. I, I really, truly am like, Nancy McKeon is stunning in this scene, really. Okay. Did you not have any thoughts or reactions or about that? I did not. Okay. <laughs> just checking. I was I was just trying to get over the fact that this asshole's standing on a on a fucking ladder outside her bedroom window with a fucking sock on his hand. I yeah. just I and and won't take maybe for an answer. And over the last three scenes has been kind of pressuring her demanding she answer him quickly and that the answer be yes it's a good thing this is all masked in the the wacky the crazy that is rick because there is also a touch of dude what what's your big fucking hurry it would be one thing if the later complication was was happening now but that means, you know, we have to get married sooner, not unlike what Edna and Bruce had to go through. We also, by the way, don't know how much time has passed. This is an 80s sitcom. Has it been a week? Has it been a day? Has it been, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, there was the night that he proposed. And then this other night, this is all the same as far as the night that, he comes in and asks Casey to be his best man. So he's already been there tonight, earlier. Casey and Blair went out on their movie date, and then they've come home, and now Blair is Blair's coming into the room after having just spoken to Casey in the scene prior to this. So, But is that the next day? So that's it. There... I don't know if it's the next day or if it might be a week or whatever, but, but irregardless, there's still this hmm. sense of answer me, answer me, answer me. It's like, do you read the room. This is Joe Polnicek. You want to get a no? Pressure her. Put on the pressure for her to give you a yes on a timetable that is not her own. But somehow, he's just, you know, Rick is special. That's what it is. Yeah. And she loves him. And he makes her beautiful. So... Blair comes in. Of course, if Rick is on a ladder up at the window with a sock puppet, we do have to get the payoff of him falling and hearing it. 
And are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. The sidewalk broke my fall. <laughs> that was funny, I think. At which point, Blair comes in a little bit down. You can tell that the Casey conversation has her a little bit pensive. And Joe asks her to be her maid of honor. Oh. And as Blair kind of, oh. And then Joe adds, I realize it's a step down from Queen. And then she says, you know, Casey is going to be Rick's best man. And it would be nice to have the two of you up there together. Who knows what it could lead to? And Blair says, yeah, who knows? But very, very adult of, of Blair to let Joe have this. Mm. Like she didn't make it about her. She didn't make it about, mm -hmm. she didn't try to bring Joe down or anything. She let Joe have it. And I thought yep. that was, I credit the writers with that. Oh, something I missed earlier. When Blair came down for her date, guess where she came from? Oh, God. Beverly Ann's room. Beverly Ann's room. Fuck me. Nope. Not going to let it upset me. Not going to let them get to me. They're just doing it to to, to aggravate me because they want a response out of me. And I'm not going to dignify them with my fucking wrath. All right, Beverly Ann. So after the commercial... This is where we get the dual scene of the bachelorette party happening in the girl's bedroom and the bachelor party happening in the living room with Beverly Ann being maid and caterer to everyone. And yeah, you didn't, you didn't like this, huh? I just, I, how, uh, I, again, I don't know how to put it into words because I'm heavily medicated. <laughs> but I just like I, the tropiest of tropes guys sitting around smoking cigars who mm -hmm. are not cigar smokers. And I've never understood that. Um, and talking about how just marriage is like, Oh, I've got to have my, my, my Monday poker game. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I, is that, uh, I don't know. It's just... No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And at one point, there is a little trim that they make for syndication. And then later, there's a callback to it. And the callback doesn't make sense. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, uh, of course, it's the girls upstairs, including Pippa. Downstairs, it's the boys. This was a moment where I thought, good God, how far we have come in this series. Where this room has... Six men in it, six male characters. And, and I'm thinking th this show that started off as a den mother and four girls, well, a hundred girls and then four girls. The fact that it's like, and we know all of them. It's Rick and Casey. Now we have Jeff and Snake as well. Andy's with them and Charlie, Joe's dad, going to her, his son-in-law's bachelor part. Does that happen? Anyway, not going to, not going to question it. Um, I do have to laugh that they're all smoking cigars and so is Andy. And after his first line, he says something. So what is it about marriage? Does it change people? Crunch. And you realize he's got a pretzel rod that he's using as a cigar. And Mackenzie asked, and you have three lines in this episode and you are fucking awesome. But yeah, Snake mentions, you know, well, marriage doesn't change people. I mean, if I ever got married to Natalie, I'd never give up my poker game. Cut to the girls. So what do you think 
Natalie, do you think you and Snake will ever get married? Yeah, he's never going to have those smelly poker games, though, with his buddies anymore. <laughs> Marry the man today and change his ways tomorrow. Yeah, that's from Guys and Dolls, and it does not apply anymore. So, Matthew, we have a little deep dive. We have a show Bible moment. I got to I gotta go there. I'm sorry. I know right. we are both sick and medicated and looking to not draw this out. However, at one point, one of the guys says to Charlie, how many years were you married to Joe's mother? Mm. And he responds with eight long ones to a laugh. Ha ha, that is funny. Eight long ones. I don't believe that is correct, Charlie. In season two, episode one, when we first meet Joe Polnicek, Mrs. Garrett's line where she is telling Blair about Joe's history. She says, Joe was doing great in public school till her dad left home a couple of years ago. That's when her problems began. Joe was 16 when she came to Eastland. Therefore, this is saying that her dad, quote unquote, left when she was 14. So if he was married to Joe's mother for only eight years, uh, no, I don't believe that they married when Joe was a toddler. And then in season two, episode 12, The Secret, which is early 1981, which is the episode where we learn that Charlie exists and that he's in prison. Joe says, when I was 12, he walked out on my mom and me. So now that's four years prior because she's currently 16. So Mrs. Mrs. Garrett said a couple of years ago, a couple could be four, whatever. But regardless, if he left when Joe was 12, how could he have only been married to Rose for eight years? He's not her stepfather. I don't believe they would have been living in sin for four years and then married with a child anyway. Very weird why he would put eight anyway. Oh, and here's another inconsistency. I just realized when I went back to look at the uh, the secret, the episode where we first meet Charlie, Joe goes and visits him in prison. The occasion of that is his 40th birthday. Mm. That was 1981. And now, just a couple of weeks ago in 1988, we were celebrating his 52nd birthday. Mm. So in seven years, he aged 12 years. Oof. The girls lost age over the course of the show. Somehow, Charlie found what they lost, I guess you could say. <sighs> Opportunity missed. Jeff says being married is like being in prison. Charlie couldn't have said something like, I've been in prison and I can say it's, it is marginally better or something like that, you know? But how would you mention prison and not have Charlie be able to inject some type of comedic wisdom? So the last thing I'm going to say about this scene is that uh, when they're talking about this, you know, is marriage good, marriage bad? Is it a prison? Is it is it hell? Is it heaven? Jeff says, you can't really generalize. All women are different. God knows Tootie is different. That was cut from syndication. That was one of the little nips and tucks. But just put a pin in that. God knows Tootie is different. And he rolls his eyes and it gets a little bit of a chortle. Uh, but that's the thing that's going to come back later, where if you're watching the syndicated version, you're like, huh? Anyway, uh, so with that, all this talk of marriage being a trap at a prison, Rick is like, oh, hey, hey, got to go get some air. And then Joe is like, uh, yeah, girls, I'm going to go out and 
get some more refreshments or whatever. And we have this nice scene where they just accidentally happen upon each other in the hallway and share a few moments of little lovey-doveyness and a lovely kiss. And I, I really liked this scene. Where was he going to get air? Upstairs? I, I have no idea. And uh, they do meet in the hallway, which we've actually never really seen before. I actually had to write to Aaron Barda to say to him, I was like, fuck, Aaron, I know we've seen this hallway once before, and I cannot think of when it is. We've seen the hallway before in the episode where uh, Joe is talking to the computer, Dear Apple, which is either season five or six. And one of her gripes is Blair spending too much time in the bathroom. And yeah. here's the funny thing. I'll put pictures on the website for this. When you come out of the girl's room, in that episode, the older episode, behind the girl's room is a hallway. And Blair in that episode goes down that hallway out to the left. And the next thing we see her is coming down the stairs. And in this case, we know Rick went upstairs and Rick appears on the right side next to where the bathroom door is. Now the bathroom door and the girl's bedroom door in that hallway, that all is actually as it was before. It's just somehow this hallway behind the girl's room <laughs> contributing to the Winchester quality of this house. But I did go back and look it up and thank you, Aaron, uh, for helping me to locate that. I will post the pictures where you can compare and contrast them. So with Joe and Rick having this nice little, hey, you're nervous, it's great, and I love yous, and really nice romantical music. And then we go into the next scene, which is in the bedroom, and now it is the wedding day. How do we know it's the wedding day, Matthew? Um, Joe's mom is there? Because every single person that encounters Joe says, so, your wedding day, huh? Huh, <sighs> Joe. Getting married today. Wow, Joe, a bride on your wedding day. I think at least three people, I know Rose and I know Blair do it. And I feel like another third person, it's like, she's in a wedding dress, people. Yes, we know it's the wedding day. You don't have to tell us that as viewers. Anyway, I'm getting a little too excited here. We do have a very short scene with Joe and her mother. It is lovely and tender. Rose says it's a day that she dreamed about. And before she leaves the room, there is this moment where Joe stops her and says, hey, mom, and a pause, and I love you. I love you too. And it's a, it's a show Bible good moment. They, they could have put in a couple more bits of dialogue of, you know, mom, I know you sacrificed a lot and worked very hard for me to come to school here and to help me become this person. Uh, so thankfully, these actresses kind of played in the subtext, but uh, we know that Joe's mother really did work hard for this. And I continue to say, I love Claire Malice. I do not buy that she is Sicilian Italian one single fucking bit. So then Blair comes in the room and Joe says, can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm going to miss living with you. And Blair says, yeah, eight years together. It's the end of an era. Thank you. It has been eight years. Thank you, writers, for counting, because we've had a couple of instances very recently where they have incorrectly clocked the number of years that Joe has been with them. 
So then the big complication happens. Rick knocks on the door, says he thinks they need to postpone the wedding. What? Well, because Rick wants to settle down more to be a better husband and future father, he is planning to go back out on the concert tour circuit. And it turns out the American Symphony Orchestra has offered him a job and it will send him on the road for a month, but he has to leave at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Everything they do always has a... It, every wedding has to has to be done by 6 a.m. I was going to say, does he have to get on the same boat that Bruce got on that was going to take him to Africa for the Peace Corps? <laughs> what the Jesus fuck is that? Christ. But it is. It is absolutely the complication of Mrs. Garrett and Bruce's wedding. Never mind. You have to go into rehearsal. You have to. None of that. They just go tomorrow night. We leave at 6 a.m. for our performance in in Precipity, New Jersey at, at the symphony. And OK, all right. All right. I mean, Whims, whimsy. All right. Whimsy. Whimsy. That's it. Uh, we do have a nice little scene that is unfortunately cut from syndication while they're waiting in the lobby of the church, waiting to actually go in. We do have a nice scene between Charlie and Rose, which uh, I'm really sad that this doesn't make it into the final. But, but again, there's so much happening. There's so many little scenes in this episode. I do yeah. have to credit how much ground they cover. But Charlie does say, to Rose. He thinks she looks beautiful. We know they've made their peace. We know that they're friends and friendly. And there was one time Joe thought they were going to actually reconcile and get back together, but that didn't happen. But Charlie does say, I know things weren't always great with us. I just want to say you did a nice job raising Joe. And she says, you did your part too, Charlie. And he says, we did good, Rosie. It's just lovely. Short and sweet, but nice to see a moment with the parents who are not together anymore, connecting at their daughter's wedding. Pippa is sitting with Beverly Ann. Thankfully, there aren't there are really any punchable Pippa moments this episode, are there? Um, I didn't find any. The joke that they give her is while she's sitting next to Beverly Ann, who looks gorgeous, by the way. We do talk to Diana about Beverly Ann's look for this this wedding. Uh, she does say, Andy and I put shaving cream all over Rick's VW. And Beverly Ann says, wait, but Rick sold his VW. Whoa, wacky. And whose car did they decorate? Whoa. So... Andy walks Rose and I presume the mother of the groom, this woman with a turban on with her hair coming out of it. Yeah. I thought that went out of that went out of fashion with Ethel Merman and Benet Venuta. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this woman is dressed in a lot of lavender chiffon, multiple strands of pearls and this turban. It's OK. Mother of the groom. Look, uh, we never hear her speak. She is literally just a body there to say, okay, Rick has at least a relative. And then we begin, is this a trope, Matthew? Conversations while you're walking down the aisle. Yes. Have you ever been to a wedding where you see the people having a fucking conversation while they're walking down? No. Uh, but literally everybody, because the episode has got so much ground to cover. So, to get something out of Andy that is very Andy-like, Rose says, so Andy, are you looking forward to your own wedding someday? And he says, nah, they'll never get me alive. 
Yep. 14-year-old stallions got to run and got to run free. Am I right? Am I right? What? Okay. Why was he in it? I know. Why was he why was he walking the mother of the bride down the aisle? Who the fuck is Andy? Well, cuz he's there, cuz he lives there. Exactly. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Uh I mean, he could have been the the ring bearer. That would have been a nice little but anyway. Uh, oh, and that was not in the syndicated version either. We cut the Rose and Charlie scene and this. In syndication, we go from the previous scene directly to Tootie and Jeff coming down the aisle. At which point Jeff says, we should have our wedding here. And Tootie says, we should have it somewhere more unusual. God knows I'm different. You see what the ca callback to that one line there? You're so wacky, Tootie. Yeah, you're such a rebel, a bohemian princess, as it were. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But that was supposed to be a callback, whatever. It's it's particularly weird in the syndicated version. Then we get Snake and Natalie, and he says, why don't you come over on Monday and meet some of the guys I play poker with? Ha-ha! <laughs> you see what they're calling back to. Yeah, so wacky. Yeah. And then Blair comes down alone, of course, as she is the maid of honor. All three of the girls are wearing their bridesmaids maid of honor dresses, and they are Diana Eden originals designed and built just for them. We will learn more about that in a little bit when we talk to Diana. And then finally, Joe and dad coming down the aisle. And we've talked about many times before, Joe's wedding dress was also an original that Diana designed specifically for this. It is beautiful. It really is pretty. Is it white? Yeah, it's white lace, yeah. All right. I think our, I think our DVDs have yellowed over time. All right. It did not look white, white on my, my screen. Well, it's possible that it wasn't for the sake of lighting. Like, you know, you, you can't put anything too white on a TV soundstage because, the you know, it'll reflect the light too much. So it's possible they did it in an ivory or something. But I read it as being a white dress because we mm -hmm. all know that of all the girls, Natalie is the only whore who yeah. is not a virgin. Uh, one thing I have to say, Matthew, I love TV weddings. Because they are short. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. If you knew, I have some cousins who married Catholic girls where they had the full-on wedding and then the uh. fucking mass after it. And as a kid who didn't go to church, it was excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> to sit through that shit. All the kneeling and all the... Ugh. Yeah, all the kneeling and, the, and then communion and stuff. And it's just the holy fuck, guys, come on. Uh, so they have a great joke here where the priest says they've written their own vows. These are now their words. And he takes out a piece of paper and says, marriage is a wonderful thing. Puts the paper away and says, may I have the rings, please? Yeah. I mean, never not funny. That is comedy evergreen love and the fact that it also makes the episode shorter that we don't have the two of them talking to each other and saying their vows to one another it's like just get on with it the courtship was short the wedding should be short i would have honestly appreciated that to give us a little more 
depth, a little more weight to their relationship because it really did feel like a I'm marrying him before he dies kind of wedding. Like it just I yeah. I don't know. Like I know I said I'm all for it and and then I saw the wedding episode and I was like we don't know this guy well enough yeah. to marry our Joe off to not after 9 seasons. I'm sorry. I just I need I, uh, I wish the facts of life had ended with a double wedding of Joe and Blair getting married at a yes. double wedding to Casey. And that would have put a big bow on this. And I know there wasn't a big bow for the ending because they didn't know it was going to end and they didn't know how it was going to end. And it was all up in the air. So they were just throwing shit at the wall. But I just, it, 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 it was not for me a great ending to the Joe storyline. I I will say for all that I'm saying about how I like that the wedding is brief. Your argument that you could also say it's brief to the point that it feels truncated. And I can't argue that with you. I, I cannot disagree with you on that either. Yeah, because the show really is Joe's journey, isn't it? When she walked through that door, when you think of that that girl in the biker helmet. And now she's come to this. Yeah. And what a great time to have Mrs. Garrett back. Uh, hello? Even if it was just, we don't know if she's going to make it. We've invited her. And then she runs in at the end or something. I, I would have been satisfied with that. You know what should have uh, been? Should have been, yes. Should have been that and then the rings. And Andy should have been the ring bearer. And Andy should have forgotten the rings. And then be, what's going to happen? I don't know. What? And then have Mrs. Garrett come in with the rings. Mrs. Garrett made the rings because she is a, a goldsmith. <laughs> uh, she helped that helped get her through college. <laughs> being a ring, being a ring maker. Yeah. Um, Professional blacksmith, goldsmith. Yeah. Of course. Why wouldn't she be? Ah, uh, so um, the, the interesting vows. Do you take Joe to be your wife no matter what life may bring you? Do you take Rick to be your husband no matter what life may bring you? I like that these are not traditional vows. I'm, I'm assuming and hoping that you is the plural you. As in, no matter what life may bring you as a couple, meaning yeah. in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, you know, do or die and all that stuff. They always have to worry about making these too religious because, you know, yeah. TV really does try to always soft pedal anything religious. And at the end, he says, may the Lord bless and keep both of you. And then he pronounces them husband and wife. It's really short. And they turn around and Rick announces to the room, well, I leave tomorrow morning for a month. So we're out of here. And they run up the aisle and out the church. Yeah. Basically announces, we are going to fuck now. Thank you for coming. <laughs> and then we have to leave this iconic episode. Our Joe is getting married. Everything we is all good and right in the world because marriages are always happy days. And then they have to kick us in the nuts with this last line of Blair 
and Casey breaking up officially. Mm-hmm. And I just like, well, come on. We couldn't have left this. We got it. We got that earlier. We got that they were going to break up. We get it. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't need that little button at the end of this. Let us leave this on a happy note that Joe is married. We yeah. don't need to. We don't need to remind you. Oh yeah, and Blair's alone, and we're never gonna see Paul Provence's bulge again. <laughs> he does say to her, <clears throat> "You're going to make someone a great wife someday." And the good news is that they have it written, and Lisa Welchel plays it hopeful. And positive. She says, yes, I will. Not with a, but, but, what, but, but, Casey, you know, it's, at least it has that sort of bittersweetness to it. But, yeah, but as they file out and the organ music continues to play, I am thinking, yay, no. Could have left that on the Ooh. cutting room floor. Yeah. Well, anyhow. Mm. And they only declared their love for each other last week. Yeah. When Casey told Blair he did not care that she was going to be permanently disfigured for the rest of her life. Or a week, whichever comes first. So, uh, maybe that's why they're really breaking up. Maybe Casey's like, I don't believe in marriage. It's actually because, well, you're you're kind of hideous now, Blair. Yeah, you're, you're disfigured. You're, Damaged goods, I believe, were the words you said. And because look at you in your black keyhole showing off your ta-ta cleavage. And over the end credits, we don't get the standard theme song. We get Mendelssohn's uh, wedding exit music. Etc. And with that, we are through season nine, episode 19. We're on the last DVD, David. Are we, I know we're just a handful of them. There's only five episodes left before the series is over. And then we're doing the reunion movie. This is, this is insane that we're getting so close to the wire. But before we wrap this up, we do have to let everyone hear the wonderful interview we did with Diana Eden, because she had some really fun stuff to share about the dresses and the costume design. And in typical Matthew and me fashion, we started asking her about all kinds of other stuff to do with her career. And she tells some great stories. So uh, without any further ado, do Matthew, shall we head on over to our interview with Diana Eden? Yes, and dear listeners, I finally got to ask the questions that David was afraid to and that <laughs> has been on all of your minds. You're welcome. Yes, here we go. <laughs> welcome back, Diana Eden. So wonderful to be talking with you again. Thank you. Thank you. Love to be here always. Oh, you are the sweetest for giving us these, these multiple glimpses into... Uh, your memory and this show from, I mean, 35 years ago, who would have ever thunk? You who? know, if I knew back then <laughs> that the show would be so popular and that 35 years later, I would be being asked questions, I might've paid more attention. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, maybe ask for a little, maybe a raise or two. Yeah. Take notes, something. Yeah. The longevity of how many people have looked at your costumes. 
I don't think you could have taken enough notes to answer two queens talking to you about. <laughs> now Blair had a buckle on one of her <laughs> on one of her pants. I don't know if you remember the shoes she had on. But she <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, were they half you. stockings or full hose? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, full hose then. <laughs> oh, yeah. One question before we actually talk about the wedding, as we're going yeah. through the series, the week yeah. prior to the wedding. Yeah. Uh, that was the episode where Blair had her car accident and her face was permanently disfigured oh. yeah. and she was in the hospital. Do you, do you remember that that episode? Do you remember that episode at all? I mean, no. <laughs> no. Okay. That's all I needed to hear. Let's talk about this show. We've been we've been leading up to this for a long time. Yeah. Joe's wedding dress was a Diana Eden original. Was indeed. Yeah. And gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Well, I, you know, I talked with Nancy, and of course, the first thing she said was, oh, keep it simple. You know, I don't want I don't want big puffy sleeves and a big full skirt and, and lace everywhere. You know, just keep it really simple. So um, that's what I did. And I mean, she had a good figure, so there was no problem there. Um, I gave her the teeniest little puff um, in the sleeves just because that's, you know, the 80s. And yeah, I wouldn't call it a teeny puff, but it was more of a it was more vertical than it was the, yeah. the horizontal Joan Crawford right. exactly. thing that, exactly. that often was worn by the others. And and Nancy, too. Let's be real. Nancy was stylish and wearing the shoulder pads. Oh, yeah. And I must say, watching the episode earlier today, I am just laughing myself at, at the 80s fashions. I mean, you know, the shoulders out to here and the <laughs> hair up to here. And I mean, I'm looking at Blair's black dress, you know, with a little keyhole and then the shoulders. Yes. And, you know, I said, oh, my God, I can't believe we were doing that. But we did. You know, that was that was the height of fashion. We talk about that a lot and like how like looking at it now, it's ridiculous. But yeah. it really was. And I, one of the things I thought about this episode when I wanted to talk to you about was how difficult it was because the 80s wedding dresses were just god-awful yeah but at the time the height of fashion and a lot of hats like you saw yeah. a lot of women with hats oh, on yeah, in their yeah. wedding yeah. oh god that was so, the other thing nancy said no veil no. okay interesting yeah okay it's the whole thing of the blushing bride and the you know that yeah. was not part of her personality whether it was her or joe or both blended together um so we didn't really even decide on what she was going to put in her hair until the last minute and then i got these floral things and we put them in and uh, a little um backstage tidbit um um a few years later 88 i got married in in 90 and um I didn't know what to put in my hair because I didn't want the whole blushing bride veil thing. So um, <laughs> I took one of her headpieces and uh, that's what I wore in my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. You kept yeah. it. You didn't leave it behind. No, no. <laughs> the cool. um, We had a wonderful seamstress who was our, um, you know, full-time seamstress called Maki. 
and she was really very, very talented and she could sew just beautifully. Um, but we realized, you know, she had a wedding gown and three bridesmaids dresses uh, to make. And, you know, we did always the show in a week. Now, I can't remember. We might have had a little heads up, you know, a week in advance. But basically, these things were all done really fast. So for the bridesmaids dresses, I said, um, I really don't want ready-made because they're all just horrible. Um, but I found a, a ready-made pattern. You know, I don't know if it was a Vogue or a Butterick that was like a 50s, um, you know, retrospective kind of, um, you know what I'm saying? A yeah, 50s vintage. Thing. Yeah. And we just used that pattern. So huh. she didn't she have to create a pattern for the bridesmaids. And we discussed at length how you had struggled before with with mrs garrett's wedding in finding yes. four bridesmaids dresses oh, yes and and you said then you're like there could not be four more different bodies at exactly. least with this nancy was out of the at least you didn't have to deal with nancy right. nancy's in the right. white dress right. okay right. she's taken yeah. care of but you still have three very different bodies and yeah. uh, it surprised me when you said that you designed them as well because i thought oh how interesting that you uh, found something that worked on all three of their bodies. And they all seem just fine with it. I mean, Mindy, normally we didn't put in things that were had a waist, you know, so normally a 50 silhouette wouldn't be something. But, you know, she looked lovely and with the off the shoulders thing. Um, everybody, my memory is that the girls were all you know, on board with it. They, they weren't fighting me on it. Um, okay. um, so. Cause they certainly could have, they were like, why can't we do three different dresses like we did before? Exactly. It's, you had already set yeah. a precedent. Yeah. And... yeah. <laughs> and part of that again is the time, you know, I need to get the sketch done, uh, take it up to uh, Irma Kalish, the executive producer and all the other people have to sign off and they have to approve it. Uh, before we can start putting it into work. So even if I had two weeks, it all still, there's no time to to mess around. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember my telling you for, for Mrs. Garrett's wedding, we actually <laughs> delayed and had to shoot the wedding a week later than we were supposed to because it was such yes. a disaster. <laughs> yes, that's, yeah, uh, yeah that was, yeah. That, that story still boggles my mind. I know, boggles mine too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So speaking of Nancy and her input on the dress and the look, uh, first of all, did she yeah. wear flats? Do you remember? I don't remember. I wondered I, if this put her in heels. I, I meant to make an, take another look at it uh, yeah, to see I how tall I she is that. next to Alex Rocco. And I forgot to, to do that. Yeah. I meant to. Yeah. And but. I was looking at um, Scott. Um, he was charming. Wasn't he, though? Oh my God, I was getting a crush on him watching another <laughs> show. This was only his third appearance on the on the show. This was like they had to very quickly endear him to us. And they're they're trying hard with all the yes. hey, the funny, and I'm doing the game show and yeah. now the sock puppet. And yeah. ooh, in the hands of the wrong actor who might have been also trying too hard uh -huh. as the writing was trying yeah. to carry a lot of that weight, but he does it so effortlessly and charmingly and the scenes that he had with with nancy um were, were charming 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely charming. Now, I I was just enthralled with him. I thought he was <laughs> delightful. <laughs> well, she had requested him. I don't know if you were, uh, mm. if this was known to you, but no. because he had been on the soap, he had been on, I think it was One Life to Live mm. a couple of years earlier, and he married uh, Meg Ryan. There was a big uh, wedding, uh, and mm. it was Meg Ryan before she was famous. Yeah. But apparently yeah. when they were asking Nancy about who do you want, to get, I guess they were planning this far ahead and saying, we yeah. think we want to marry you off. She yeah. said, uh, I want that guy, like almost as a, I want that guy from the soap, that guy. Yeah. Oh, and wow. his story, I heard him on another podcast say, oh, yeah. because they all watched the soap and knew him when he yeah. came to set that first day, they yeah. all screamed and cheered like fangirls, all oh, of them. No. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. So yeah. uh, it's nice that their chemistry is wonderful. And it's, it's yeah, really nice to know that really Nancy is. had specifically requested him and yeah. it paid off. It wasn't a, oh crap. Now I, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. actually a dud as an actor. He's giving me nothing in the scenes. And- right. No, they worked very well together. And, and, you know, I, I, I must say, maybe it's just because of my connection to the show, even just listening to the writing and the jokes, it's very charming. It really is. And, and there's some, wonderful laughs in there and and uh, i kind of you know fell in love with the show all over again mm. there is a lot of good stuff in it and yeah. uh, i i joke about how i don't feel that season nine writing is as strong as earlier in the series but mm-hmm. i have to admit i'm eating my words a lot right now as things are wrapping up and and upcoming shows i'm catching myself going oh this is really nice oh i really yeah. like this yeah when yeah. I, I wasn't fully expecting to Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by yeah. the way i'm sorry about your loss diana of of your friend um oh god what was his name um oh oh was, clarence um, gillier clarence, oh, clarence yeah um, clarence, so sorry, but... he was such a charismatic man he was adored at the university absolutely adored and was he, he loved his students oh. i mean he really loved teaching to the point where apparently his agents kept saying you know we want to book you we want you to go away and do a movie and he kept saying but i can't leave my kids you know oh that's nice but when we saw the news of his passing yeah uh, immediately we were like oh my gosh like he's he's our friend's friend he we we knew you and he uh, we knew it was coming at some point but Mm -hmm. you know because um he was doing more and more on zoom and he would always sign on some most of the time he wouldn't put his video on but we knew he was there uh so even hmm. when he was really sick he was still in class bless his heart yeah and may he rest in peace and he leaves behind a lot of really impressive work yeah this time of year everyone the big debate is die hard a christmas movie (laughs) Is it not a Christmas movie? All the people who are watching it, all the stations running it now, it's like, that's him. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. It's yeah. that's so when I saw it the last time and went, wait a minute, who is that? I know him. And we had just, we also discussed uh, his Different Strokes episode, which was apparently yeah. his first job yeah. ever was on Different Strokes oh. a few years prior to this. Well, we were in class together. We were play acting. I, I said, um, uh, Clarence, uh, I was talking about the costume designer's relationship with the actor. And I was telling the actors that the very first call you get, you hang up from your agent 
you know, and you say, oh, I got the job, I got the job. The phone rings, it's the costume designer saying, I need your sizes. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked the parents, you know, if he would uh, play the actor. So um, I call him, hello, uh, Clarence, this is Diana Eden. I hear you're going to be playing such and such. And he played along. He was great. Um, but then um, I say, Clarence, you know, I have costumed you. <laughs> really? I said, and, yes. Oh, he didn't remember. No, <gasps> oh, a whole career and and um, how many costume designers has he worked with? <laughs> I'm sure. So, um, I said, yeah. He went, oh my god. So then I send him uh, pictures. I think you actually sent me some screen grabs at one. I point. did. Yes. Yeah. I sent mm -hmm. those to him. He loved those. He just thought that was hilarious. So. Oh. Yeah. That's so yeah. sweet. And yeah. what did the students say when they were when when you pulled that one on him? He was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, hopefully you said. And the lesson is: be nice to the costume designer. Exactly. Oh, not I just because she'll be costuming you and making you good look good for this, but you yeah. never know. Yeah. Thirty five years later, how you're yeah. going to be professionally affiliated. <laughs> well, somehow we were also talking about Paul. I don't know if you pronounce it Feig or Feig, F-E-I-G. Feig. Feig. Okay. It is thank Feig, you. yes. And I said, and actually I costumed him too, because he was on Facts of Life as well as an actor. Mm-hmm. That's right. So he played a nerd from the, the fraternity later. there. Sooner or later, everybody was in Facts of Life. I look at the cast list and I think, oh my God, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're still coming up on Mayim Bialik and Seth oh, yeah. Green and oh, Richard yeah. Grieco and oh, Juliette God. Lewis. There's yeah. still some more big heavy hitters to come. Yes, yes. <laughs> so something else that you had talked about with the Joe, um, sorry, with Nancy having the yeah. input on her dress and all that. <laughs> Interesting how also did you notice the vows were not traditional vows that it yeah. was just whatever life may bring you it wasn't to have and to hold to oh, cherish yeah. in sickness and in health yeah they were they were very modern and and it was i pronounce you husband and wife it was not man and wife yes yes yeah and so you telling me that those other things it's like okay yeah clearly they they were all everyone was kind of on the same page yeah. with the type yeah. of wedding joe would have well, and you have to remember the writers and the producers. I mean, it was such a unit, a family for so long mm -hmm. that unless you were a brand new writer on the show, you knew instinctively you couldn't give Joe, you know, a frilly wedding with, you know, all the silly feminine things and throwing the bouquet and all of that stuff. It just wouldn't work. Yeah. So, um, you know. You were kind enough to send some pictures along. I'm going to share my screen now. Listeners, I'll be putting these up on the web page for the show. But you sent along these pictures yeah. and said you wanted to discuss them. First, we have a picture of Chloris. And, and these are all candid. I shouldn't say candid photos, but these are personal photos. These are ones that you personally took. Yeah. Uh, she was sitting in a metal chair backstage she looked so beautiful. Um, it was a store-bought dress. I can't remember the name of the um, the label. Um, at the time, it was a fairly well-known label. Um, and she decided she wanted a hat. And um, so she looked 
stunning. Mm -hmm. um, and then I watched the, the wedding show and you barely see her. I mean, yeah, she's yeah, not very visible. This yeah. this picture shows more of her dress than you see in the episode. Yeah. And yeah. with the gloves, with the hat, the white hat and the white oh, gloves, yeah. she just looks like the most elegant Southern lady. She's stunning. At, at a party. Yeah. And um, you you had said that just she had such a great figure. You could put her in anything. Yeah. We're and seeing that more. Show, um, uh, the first scene, I think she's wearing like a beige top and then this navy flowy skirt. And mm -hmm. she knew how to move. She taught me a lot about um, how, you know, clothes should move and the importance of that. And when she comes, you know, sashaying in and the skirt is is just kind of flowing around her, I thought, God, she's just, she's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And know? you see her fashion did change over the time in just yeah. the two years yeah. uh, that you were working with her. You do yeah. see much more form-fitting things, things that do show off her figure. Yeah. Because yeah. early on, she did have that kind of camper frontiers woman look yeah. going on. It's a little of, boho going on as well. A little what? Boho, bohemian. Boho, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. one of the early episodes where she comes down, I think it might be for a date, but she comes down and there's kind of this, ooh, audience moment. Yeah. And it was a red dress, yeah. but it didn't have a lot of shape to it. You gave her a belt at least. Yeah. It yeah. didn't have much shape to it. But at that point, that was the most <laughs> flashy thing we had seen her in. Exactly. Exactly. She really um, she really knew how to wear clothes. And she also knew as an actor what worked. Um, mm. She really was um, quite a remarkable, if eccentric, <laughs> if occasionally <laughs> difficult. Um, she, she really was remarkable. And, mm -hmm. I loved learning what she had to offer. Oh, here's Kim. Here's a picture of Kim. Now, this is yeah. not in the bridesmaid's dress. This is in a big puffy sleeve denim. Looks like it's a, yeah. is it a dress or is it a? I think it's a jumpsuit. I a think jumpsuit. this just epitomizes the 80s. You know, the denim jumpsuit with the huge shoulders and embroidery on the shoulders, mm -hmm. um, just in case the shoulders didn't look big enough. <laughs> and uh, I think this is upstairs in the bedroom. It is from that. It episode. does. Yes, it yeah. does look like the bedroom. Yeah. And the V cut, that big V yeah. going from the shoulders to above yeah. the waist. Yeah. So, so 80s. And actually, I think that day um, we really were having fun. Um, and our prop guy had dressed up, um, I don't want to say in full drag, but he put on a, a woman's wig and was camping around. And we were all just laughing and having a great time. So um, I think that's the moment that I caught Kim just laughing away. She's just beautiful her. here. She And speaking of gorgeous, I mean, <clears throat> what she has grown into such, I yeah. still can't believe that little... 10 year old that we were looking at in season one has, has grown mm -hmm. into this. She is just yeah. stunning. Yeah. Now we have the picture of Lisa <laughs> having her hair done. <laughs> I wanted for the longest time to post this. And I always thought, I wonder if Lisa would mind because, <laughs> um, and I always want to respect the backstage photos are private photos. So you are actually the first public audience ever seeing this picture. Wow. And Lisa, if you see this, I hope you don't mind, because I think it's just adorable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you can tell she's playing it up. You can tell she's. I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Having some fun with it. I'm trying to see what's on the table in front of her here. What these. Um, to... They might be Polaroids that they're trying to match. If Oh, that is. Okay. That is the Polaroid camera. That's I couldn't even tell what that big black thing was but yeah. yeah that's what it is because those were important for continuity right yeah what we use yeah mm -hmm. and what what did they use before before polaroids what was i mean true you weren't you weren't costuming hey, drawings. Really. i don't know <laughs> yeah they just they take copious notes now we have a picture another picture of kim this time in her bridesmaid's dress you can see yeah. chloris in the background yeah. completely yeah. candid yeah you know, yeah. A much better sense of the print on Cloris's dress. Just yes. Oh, yes. beautiful flowers on it. Yeah. Now, can you identify who any of these people are? Do you who do we know who this? I person? think that's me directly behind Kim. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. does that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, the woman with her back to the camera was I've forgotten her name, but one of the makeup or hair people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. But again, stunning. Can't really see yeah. the dress. Now and we have, uh, we as, as actors, Matthew and I, we see this all the time. This is, yeah. this is the epitome of what it is to be in show business. Lisa dressed to the hilt in her bridesmaid's dress, gorgeous in front of a crappy wall with wires yes. and yes. plugs and ugly unmatched metal chairs. <laughs> it's just yeah. The juxtaposition of how "quote unquote" glamorous it is to yeah. be an actor. Yeah, this is usually what our lives are mostly like. <laughs> no, I love that picture too, and no one has, has seen this picture before. So, uh, man, yeah. Well, they'll be on the they'll be on the facethefactspod.com okay. website. I won't put them anywhere else. I'll let, leave you to that if you want to put them like on Instagram and tag them or anything. I won't. Do that. I'll probably just leave them with you wherever you put them. Oh. Because, um, and here am I, very earnest, talking to um, Nancy. Um, oh. Yeah. Just great. We we do think it is a very, probably one of the things that most 80s eyes this look is the, the, the free hair at the back. Mm -hmm. where we're like if we could go back in a time machine and change anything about this look yeah we wouldn't touch any of the costuming we would just maybe pull, pull the hair a little bit neater and the big um you know exploding look. fringe in front <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh but she looks it's so it's so her though that's how she wore her hair and yeah yeah, yeah, that that didn't bother me as much. It was the back that was maybe it's because again it was it was obscuring the beautiful dress. Yeah, yeah. And it's just one of those things you look at that picture and everybody's beautiful at 21. I mean, what was yeah. she, 21 or 22? Something I mean, she's just stunning. Yeah. And it's yeah. God, youth is wasted on the young, isn't it? Because yeah. she probably had so many like, oh, I look fat or whatever. And you just want to slap her and say, girl, yeah. you are stunningly gorgeous. Well, you mm. know, uh, all four girls were. Yes. They were when you think about it. I look at those beautiful faces when I watch the show. And I just think they are so lovely. And mm -hmm. just a adorable and yeah oh you just you just want to boop their noses yes yeah <laughs> so anything else 
before I start asking you other random things, anything um, else about the wedding show that that jogs your memory? think so um i just know that it was really a fun show there's certain nights when we taped where everyone was in a good mood where they felt it was going well and i just remember that that being a lovely show and and even those backstage shots everyone was feeling good about the way they looked and the way it was being filmed and and um and it, it was a nice nice memory yeah, yeah. Because that's the other thing is that you're you're a company, you're a family. Oh yeah. People forget, especially the earlier episodes when Blair and Joe would be at each other's throats mm-hmm. and fighting. It's like they were friends off stage. They were, yeah. you know, yeah. as much a part of the family. Yeah. Oh well, I cannot thank you enough for sharing those. Uh, can we move on? Can I start asking you about other stuff now? Yes, but it may be stuff that I remember absolutely nothing about. <laughs> Well, I had brought this to your attention beforehand. Yes. And I watched it and I, I I have virtually no memory of it. I'm oh, so really? Sorry. We're talking, listeners, we're talking about Let's Face the Music, the scene where they fantasize what would it be like to be a punk band. Yeah. Uh, first of all, uh, Mac, dressed in his long tux coat with this this white scarf, he looks better here than I have ever looked in my entire life. <laughs> That he was. He, what yeah. a great look and again the 80s because he's got the mullety hair yes. just so yeah. perfectly yeah. 80s now i remember that red dress very well oh, uh, kim's red dress oh yeah. stunning and look how beautiful um mindy looks there mm-hmm. and she oh and i i remember that um um pendant it's called a waterfall um i i think i had that for years oh yeah well, the thing is, you know, when the show finally got canceled, there was this huge collection of jewelry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one quite knew what to do with it because, you know, all the wardrobe went to wardrobe heaven. and But the jewelry. So I said, you know, can I keep the box of jewelry? So I had a lot of these pieces for a long time. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. is crazy. But and yeah, the other thing is you've talked about using your own stuff. Yeah. Too is it was the um, it wasn't sixty two pickup. It was golden oldies. We talked about yes. that where they yeah. were the old eighties, and you're like, oh, the thing Mindy's wearing. Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. Well, blows costume, my mind. Costume designers do that a lot, even if we don't have a closet full. I mean, you always think I've got a belt that would work for that, you mm-hmm. know, and you bring it in, or because we do collect things that are interesting and unique and. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Actors and drag queens do the same thing. I've got yeah. three closets, Diana. Yeah. yeah. And I'm afraid to throw anything away, even if it's a dress from 96. I'm like, yeah. I might need it for a costume at some yeah. point. So. And, and I'll be a size two again someday. I will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that should be sailed for me, I'm afraid. But anyway, uh, but I've kept all a lot of jewelry and you know, people say, oh, it's time to let go. But, you know, I look through it and I love it. And I think I'm just, I'm not probably going to use it or wear it. Maybe put it on an actor for a show. If, But I just like having it because it's yeah. great stuff. If it brings you joy, just keep it. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't take, it's not like you need a storage unit for it. It's, you know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. take up that much room. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Wasn't there a Deborah Messing story uh, at a photo shoot where, 
you gave her something you were wearing. Am oh, I remembering no, that this? That wasn't Deborah. That was um oh, what was her name? It was in the pilot for You Can't Take It With You with Harry Morgan. Oh, I'm not familiar. Lois Nettleton. Yes, thank you. Yes, that's who it was. Oh, Lois Nettleton. Yeah, she's been yeah. on what was she? She was on Golden Girls. She, she never did Facts yeah. of Life, but she was on Golden Girls and in a, yeah. some other movies. Yeah. He was a voice on Facts of Life, David. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So Lois looked at my dress and she said, you know, that really is what I want to wear. Um, I thought, you know, could I wear your dress? <laughs> okay. So... Um, we arranged for me to find, I don't know what I put on, a pair of sweatpants and a shirt from somebody. And she <laughs> wore my dress. And then she looked at my shoes and I had little white kids. And she uh -huh. said, the shoes look perfect with it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want? <laughs> <laughs> Not a give me your shoes or may I wear your shoes. Oh, the shoes just look perfect with it. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> you put together such a beautiful, cohesive, complete outfit. <laughs> Take the damn shoes, Lois. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, the only other things we have to ask you, these are completely random and out of left field. All right. Uh, so if you have no answers, we, we will not be mad at you. And I promise there's not a lot here. We were doing Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol for our Patreon show. Well, we were looking at it, and the songs were written by Julie Stein and Bob Merrill. And we were looking at the careers, doing the little deep dives that we do. And we're like, oh, and Julie Stein wrote this show, and he wrote Gypsy and Funny Girl, and he wrote Fade Out, Fade In. Yeah. What? We're like, we know someone who was in the original Broadway cast of Fade Out, Fade In. Did you have much interaction uh, with, you know, as, as a I, dancer in the company? I did, did, actually. And I have a great Julie Stein story for you. Would you share? <laughs> Matthew and I are like. <laughs> we were in New Haven in pre-Broadway tryouts. And there was a cast party for some reason after the show. And uh, everyone was there and the cast and the writers and Adolf and Betty and, you know, I'm dropping names. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you, you've earned it, girl. <laughs> yeah. And he sat down at a little upright piano and he said, um, I'm going to play you a song and sing you a song that uh, is from my newest show with um, with Barbara Streisand. And I guarantee you it's going to be a hit. People, people who need people. Wow. And that's what he said first. I get chills to this day. Wow. Yes. And he was determined to keep that song in the show uh, because uh, several people thought that it was too slow and it would stop the story. And Barbara even wasn't sure that she wanted it. But he was determined that that song was going to stay in the show. So he played it for us. Wow. And we were the show that came right after his finishing Funny Girl. And uh, um, yeah. I mean, he wrote Gypsy, for God's yeah. sake. So yeah. it's just, it's yeah. just, I can't imagine being with that level of brilliance. You know what I mean? But, we but enough about how he met you. <laughs> <laughs> when I 
read back on Broadway in the 60s. And um, I think the people that I worked with, you know, Adolf Green and Betty Comden and Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince and George mm -hmm. Abbott. To me, these are Broadway gods. And I oh, got yeah. to work with all of them. Mm -hmm. No? I mean, and you shared a stage with Carol Burnett, name a beggar legend in yeah. than Carol Burnett, you know, yeah. and for God's sake, Zero Mostel, the, the, God, this is why I read your book in a day and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Judy Holiday, and also uh, Fade Out, Fade In, sadly, was not a successful show that didn't didn't uh, live on as other shows have. It was yeah. it was moderately successful once it worked out some of the kinks. When it opened, it was hugely successful. And mm -hmm. people forget that. We were breaking all records, box office records. Mm. Um, we had everything going for us to be a huge hit. And then just things started to go wrong. Um, mm. Mainly with, you know, and I hate to say it, but with Carol's health and lawsuits and things like that. Uh, but when we opened, we were an enormous hit and yeah. we're selling out night after night after night. And it's sadly one of those shows that just it it never lived on. It's never revived or produced yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And with Julie Stein and you know, like you said, Betty Comden and Adolph Green did the book and the lyrics, didn't they? Yeah. And yeah. you also had an actor on stage. Jack Cassidy was in the company too, wasn't yes. he? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Oh, my <laughs> God. He played the matinee idol. And what better person to play it? I mean, just yeah. that that voice. Oh, my gosh. Was yeah. he? Did he have like a reputation where the girl, was he like chasing the girls in the chorus? Of course. Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. He did used you to let have him? Kind of a like open house in his dressing room at intermission. And he would have champagne and it would be like, oh, we have 15 minutes. Come on in, girls. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds exactly as we have believed him to be. Yeah. That yeah. completely tracks. Did little yeah. Diana Eads spend any time in his dressing room at all? <laughs> I mean, I ain't throwing stones. You know what I mean? I'm just yeah, saying. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, sure. You were a young dancer on Broadway, ladies. That's yeah. all we need to know. Absolutely. God love you. Good job, you, sister. Yeah. Mm. As well as Tina Louise was in the company, too, it briefly. Was. But then she left to do this TV show yeah. called yeah. Gilligan's Island. Tina and I used to get mistaken for each other because when we would exit the stage door... You know, people see tall redhead and they look and they're not quite sure. Is it? Isn't it? And and so the two of us were confused quite often. Oh, that's that's another nice little uh, tick in the life column. Often mistaken <laughs> for Tina Louise. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> she did regret doing Gilligan's Island, I think. Didn't she like turn them down for the rest of their life. Like yeah. they want every time they wanted to reboot it, she was like, no, not interested. Yeah. Well, it yeah. made her famous, way more famous right. than the role in, in Fade Out, Fade In. Right. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. I have two questions, Diana, yeah. out of left field. One of them is about Blair Warner's furs. Yes. There's a couple episodes where Blair is in a fur or two different furs. Yeah. And they are just 
gorgeous furs. Do you remember her? Like, obviously, I can't imagine those were fake furs because the way she sets it down, the way it moves, it was just, it was like mink, for God's sake. Well, you know, it was before we knew that we weren't supposed to be wearing furs. Sure, yeah. Um, So there wasn't that sensitivity around them. There was a company called Edwards Lowell um, in Beverly Hills, and they kind of provided the furs for all the shows and for Bob Mackie, and they were kind of the one go-to furrier. Um, I imagine that they came from there. I don't know for sure. I always got my furs from Dicker and Dicker. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> oh, and I had to get Dick to death to get one of those furs. Anyway. <laughs> My other question, because David won't ask it, but Diana, I am a gay man and Paul Provenza was on my screen and he is bulging out of his jeans. (laughs) Every episode he's in, we get a jean shot and it's like, here's Paul and here's his bulge. Uh, Well, I will have to go back and take a look. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised it didn't bump you in the face when you were taking measurements for God's sake. <laughs> Jesus. But no stories or anecdotes about Paul Provenza's bulge. We just wanted to be sure in case there was anything there. Oh, no, I wish I did. <laughs> he is so handsome. You talk about seeing like beautiful faces and watching it now. He's yeah. just so handsome yeah. to me. And yeah. so, uh, anyway, but. Yeah. And Scott nice. Bryce, yeah. Scott Bryce, it looks great. He's still out there. He's still working too. And, yeah. and he looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Damn handsome men. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm handsome. I age well. Yeah. <laughs> I have to be funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Diana, oh, well. thank you again so much for your time. It is always a thrill. We're almost at the end of the show. So I'm not sure we're going to have a reason to probe your memory anymore. We just need to set up some regular calls where we just ask you random questions about your career every month or two. Are you okay if we do that? Of course, of course. What will we do when this ends? Oh my God. You are not getting rid of me, Diana. You are. Uh, so yep. I'm, I actually might be in Vegas next year at some point. So. Oh, <laughs> Really? Well, we'll have lunch. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh. oh, yeah. Would love it. Yeah, definitely. So thank you again. We can't wait to talk to you next time. Smooches and goodbye. Mwah. <laughs> bye back. <laughs> okay, bye. And there you have it. The wonderful Diana Eden. We love her. I think, where is she now, currently? At the moment, she's in... Morocco? Okay, that's right, Morocco, yes. So, uh, God bless her that she made the time for us, and uh, I'm always so thankful and blown away that she is just so generous, and anytime I say, can we talk, she's always like, yep, let's let's work it out, we'll make time. And I, I don't know, that might be the last time we get to talk to her about the show, Matthew. That's kind of a, a sad thing. But we're friends now, so we text and stuff. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, you you and she text. I, I don't have her number, so I only email her. All right. Well, this wraps up Season 9, Episode 19. Next week, we continue to slowly creep our way towards the end of the series with Season 9, Episode 20, called Present Imperfect, which had an original air date of March the 5th, 1988. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. Anything else, Matthew, before we say farewell? It's a Pippa-heavy episode next week, so... Oh! I might have to drink heavily before I watch it. <laughs> well, uh, until then, thank you so much for listening to this week's show, and remember... The facts of life are all about vixens from Venus. <laughs> they, they are, because I think that, that movie probably teaches you a thing or two about the facts of life and how babies are made. I think it was on Cinemax. Or Skinemax, as we called it. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>